For our scripture reading this morning, we are in Acts chapter 8. We're doing a mission series in the book of Acts, and we are concluding it today with the personal witness of the deacon Philip to the Ethiopian eunuch, the first missionary to Africa. So let's stand in honor of God's word, and you can read off the screen. Uh, I will read verse 26, you will read verse 27 together, and uh, so on responsively through this passage. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. Together? So he got up and went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, Well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the, scripture, the passage of Scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. As they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, water! What prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. This is God's Word. You may be seated. You ever hitchhiked? I used to. I was attending Bel Air High School in Maryland, and I was in the band, and that always kept me after school, and so I would hitchhike home to my home several miles away, and I had some interesting adventures, uh, hitchhiking home from high school, uh, hitchhiked some other times. I've even pitched, picked up hitchhikers from various... Anybody remember the old days when it was kind of okay to do that? Kind of. Don't recommend it today. 
but this is a story of a hitchhiker, uh, one that was appointed by God, and how God set up a divine appointment in order to bring about the first missionary to Africa. You see, the Lord told the deacon to hitchhike with an African man in order to win him to Christ. God was fulfilling the prophecy that Jesus had given that the Holy Spirit would empower his disciples to witness about him, not only in Jerusalem, in Judea, and even in Samaria, but ultimately to the uttermost parts of the earth. And in those days, Africa was about as far as anybody knew about. Let's bow in prayer. Father, as we open the word today, may your Holy Spirit show us Christ and show us ourselves and our need for your work in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So how can we reach closed countries with the gospel? China and India are not accepting missionaries. European countries are closing. We just had missionaries who had spent 10 years in Sweden were deported and had to go instead to Puerto Rico where they got there just before that country was destroyed. They're still there, ministering in the midst of lack of electricity and everything else. But they were no longer allowed to minister as missionaries in Sweden. European countries are closing. Russia is clamping down again after uh, some considerable freedom for the gospel uh, for missionary work there. Muslim countries, extremely difficult. But the Lord has told us to go to all the nations. And you say, what authority we have for that? Ah, all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth, Jesus said, go. So even when countries say no, missionaries say yes. And they do what's called creative access. And they try a lot of different things. Things like the internet and radio and satellite television. Many different means of getting the good word of the gospel into these countries. Yes, even smuggling of God's word on Uh, little tiny electronic devices. And so a lot of interesting things being done very creatively today. But ultimately, sooner or later, you need boots on the ground, as they say in military. You need people who go and make disciples of all the nations. How do you do that? Well, the first believer to reach an African with the gospel was not an apostle. It was a deacon by the name of Philip. And Philip didn't go to Africa himself. But the Holy Spirit led Philip to an African government official who was returning to Africa after an unsuccessful pilgrimage to Jerusalem. People from all over the world are coming to the Raleigh area to study and to work. Many of them will return to their home countries at some time. Will they have met a born-again believer? Will they have been loved and cared for 
by the many born-again believers that exist in this area? Will they have heard the gospel? Will they have received Christ? Will they return to share the gospel with their loved ones who remain in these closed countries? I believe that God has given us opportunities all around us. And you might say, well, God has not called me to be a missionary to go to Africa. You know? Well, maybe has, maybe hasn't. But there are plenty of Africans in Raleigh and around this area. It's amazing. In Pennsylvania, we found out that we had a lot of people from mainland China in the Collegeville, Pennsylvania area adjacent to our church. Many of them had excelled in their education in the area of science back in mainland China, had come to the United States for graduate work, and then had gotten very good jobs in our area working for the pharmaceutical companies in research and development. And so we found that there was a way to reach them. So we had some people who were really good cooks who could cook real Chinese food. Okay, not Chinese restaurant food, but Chinese food. And, uh, you know, in China, they don't call it Chinese food. <laughs> they just call it food. You know, but that's another whole issue. But, so, and then we wanted to celebrate some Chinese holidays and do some special things for the children. So we began reaching out many, many years, a couple, a couple decades ago now. And we've seen people come to Christ. For most of these people, the big issue for them was believing in God. Uh, These are the people who have excelled in a totally atheistic education, which is what the education system of mainland China is. And so, uh, how do we win them? One lady was a PhD in uh, microbiology. How, How do you win her to believe in creation? You know, she's been taught evolutionary ideas, atheistic ideas. You know, we found out that the best apologetic is love. And when you open your home and you sit down to a meal together and you learn about other people's culture and other people's holidays and those kinds of things, it's amazing how bridges of friendship develop and that care develops. And we have seen people come to Christ. And you know... Once they believe in God, the rest is details. It's amazing uh, how now those who were evolutionary atheists now teach creation from God's Word. And they believe it. Why? Because they have come to know the Lord. And when you come to know the Lord, He changes your concepts of biology and everything else. It's an amazing thing. So we found that they were right at our doorstep. We didn't have to go to China to reach them. They were right at our doorstep. And it's amazing how many people are right here all around us. You see, God had called Israel to be a light to the nations, and yet they had kept that light to themselves. They had said, we are God's chosen people. But he had chosen them to be a light to the nations to be an example to the nations of God's ways so that people from all over the earth could come to Israel and learn about God. And yet, Israel had misunderstood it. They thought 
God loves us because we're better than everybody else. And they started feeling superior. They started feeling special. And they started looking down on the Gentiles instead of reaching out to them. Even the court of the temple was designed for evangelism. There was a place in the Holy of Holies where God dwelt, and then there was the holy place where the priests functioned. But then outside was the court of the Gentiles, where God said to His people, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. No wonder Jesus got mad when He came into that court of the Gentiles, which was to be in a place where Jews could meet with Gentiles from all over the earth who came there, like this Ethiopian eunuch, to seek the true and living God. But what they had done instead was made it a den of thieves. They had set up a marketplace where you could change your money, where you could buy approved animals, and they had made a religious racket out of the place where people were supposed to meet the true and living God. That has happened today, folks. People have taken the church of Jesus Christ, which should have been a place where people could meet God and come to know Him through His Son, Jesus, and they have turned it into a commercial religious racket. How sad it is. Jesus got so angry. He overturned the money changers' tables. He overturned the tables of those who were selling doves and sheep. And He made a whip and He drove them out. And He said, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, and you have made it a den of thieves. How sad it is when religion becomes business instead of the work of God. So, Israel was called to be a light to the nations. They hadn't done it. And how sad it was that this Ethiopian eunuch had traveled all the way from Africa. Uh, He had gotten a scroll of Isaiah. He had been, apparently, to the temple, but he still didn't know Jesus. And Jesus had just died weeks before and risen from the dead. But he's traveling back to Africa. And he doesn't know Jesus. (laughs) And the Lord was watching him travel in his little chariot going down through the southern part of Israel. And there's Philip. Philip the deacon. Philip who has become an evangelist who trains his daughters to prophesy. It's it's a great family. And and this deacon, Philip, he's there in Samaria following his Savior. He's fulfilling the Great Commission. He's preaching the Gospel. And crowds are coming. And there's miracles being performed. And people are being saved and baptized. I mean, he's in the middle of of a revival. And the Lord calls him away to one traveling African official down in the desert because God has a plan that doesn't just involve Jerusalem and Samaria, but involves the uttermost parts of the earth because God loves Africans as much as He loves Jews. God loves all people, and He wants all to know Him. And if we look at this passage, uh, three W's today on the back of your bulletin, you'll see our little outline. He went, he witnessed, 
And he won the eunuch to Christ. Verses 26 to 30, he went. The angel of the Lord said to him, arise and go. Get up and go. And the miracle that is recorded here is that he got up and he went. Verse 27. He did it. He just did what God told him to do. He got up and he went. Has God ever changed your plans? A few weeks ago, I was down here in Fuquay, Verena, and my wife was up in Lynchburg for that weekend, and I had planned to leave in the afternoon and go up there, but I got tied up with some hospital visitation, and it got later and later, and then it got rainier and rainier and darker and darker. And so I started out Route 40 and up Route 86 going to Lynchburg, and then one of my wipers stopped wiping. The one over here just flopped. I thought, I didn't need that one. (laughs) And the other one was faithfully going. And then it flopped. Bang! And I thought, this isn't good. I didn't even have Rain-X on my windshield. And, and I thought, this isn't good. And it's really dark, and there's no lights. And, and there's no place to pull off. There's just no place. And I'm praying, Lord. Finally, finally, I see a place to pull off. I call AAA. They send a guy. He tries to fix it. He can't fix it. So he cranks my car up on the back of his, of his truck. I climb up in the cab, and we're riding to Lynchburg. We got about an hour now are 15 minutes to go. And he starts opening his heart and telling me how he had gone to church as a young boy, but he had gotten away from it, and how he had tried to... He'd run out of money, but he was too embarrassed to tell anybody that he was deeply in debt and he couldn't pay his bills. And so he decided he would kill himself. And, and then he tried to kill himself, and then he didn't succeed, and he ran from the cops, and his father was a policeman. And how he went to jail, and he just got out. Okay. I'm sitting over here, you know. And you know what? I thought, I think the Lord wanted me to talk to this guy. And so I began to share with him how the Lord could truly meet his deepest need, that the Lord could help him. And he had seen the the destruction of his. He told me his whole life story. And it just, oh, he opened his heart. And I shared Christ with him. I shared the gospel with him. I shared encouraging scriptures with him. And I was able to minister him all the way to my house. And I'm still praying for him. But, you know, that wasn't what I planned to do that night. But God had plans that were different than mine. Okay? And when he interrupts your life, uh, and he brings about those those sudden interruptions, those things you didn't plan on, those things that just don't seem right, start looking around because he has brought you to a place you didn't plan on because he has somebody there he wants you to minister to. When God says to you, arise and go. How many of you ever been tempted? A few of you. I have. And, you know, the the devil uses the world to tempt our flesh, our unredeemed humanity. 
And, and that's true. And, and you can expect that for the rest of your life. Okay, sorry, but it's going to happen. Uh, but I want to tell you something that is good. And that is that although Satan can tempt our flesh, God prompts us to do right by his spirit. Just as Satan can put sinful thoughts into your mind, so God can put good ideas into your head. And the more you respond to them, those promptings of the Holy Spirit, you will become one who is led by the Spirit of God. Okay? So all of a sudden, out of the blue, you just think, you know, I ought to write a note to that person, or I ought to call that person on the phone, or some person just comes to mind uh, to pray for, or to speak a word to, or God puts you in a situation and opens up, and, 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 and God prompts you to say something, do something, act in some good way. Just check it out. Is it good? Okay, I had a thought. It was good. I should give. God says, give $1,000 to so-and-so. Just do it. I was on the receiving end of that once. It was nice. Uh, I had run out of money. I was new in town. I was down in Laurenburg to sell Bibles door to door. I was depressed. I was down. I was confused. And a lady came over. I was reading my Bible by the McDonald's out and back. And she walked over to me and she said, God told me to give this to you. And she gave me 20 bucks. That was in 1969. You know, that was like 100 bucks, you know? And I thought... Wow, God is still caring for me. God is caring for me. You know, God could use you to touch somebody's life, to give a gift, to call them on the phone. Whatever it is, whatever he says to you, do it. That's what Mary said. Whatever he says to you, do it. Whenever you get a good idea in your head, no matter how crazy it sounds, if it's something that pleases God, something that's right and good, do it. And when you begin acting on the promptings of the Holy Spirit, his voice will become louder in your heart and mind. Okay? And you will become a person who is truly led by the Spirit of God And these are the sons of God. The people who express the likeness of our Heavenly Father in this world are the people who have learned to live by the promptings of the Holy Spirit and not by the temptings of the devil. There's only two ways to live, folks. Philip was a deacon. He didn't say, but I'm a deacon. We fix things, you know. We, we, de- we're deacons. We're, de- we're not apostles. You know, I'm a deacon. He didn't say that. He just arose and he went and he experienced a blessing he never would have had. This Ethiopian eunuch had been to Jerusalem. He was reading the book of Isaiah in his chariot. And in ancient times, generally people read out loud. You ever been around anybody like that? You know. But in ancient times, people often read out loud. So he's riding in his chariot. He's reading the book of Isaiah out loud as he travels across the desert. When I first went to Faith Bible Church in Maryland in 1976, I became aware that just a few miles away from our church 
was Baltimore Washington International Airport. And I met some folks from the Pocket Testament League that were going out there on Sunday afternoons, and they had permission from the airport people to hand out Gospels of John with little Bible correspondence course slips in them uh, to the people who were on their way to their flights. So I went along, and I learned how to do it and how to you know, get permission and all that kind of stuff. And then we started taking people from our church out there every Sunday afternoon. I began taking my kids with me. And uh, we would go out there on a Sunday afternoon and hand out Gospels of John to anybody that would take them as they were going to their planes. Anybody remember Howard Cosell? I gave him a Gospel of John. And his wife saw what it was and came back and she said, thank, he needs it. That was a testimony. We had a young couple with some children that came to our church there at Faith Bible Church several years after we had started that. And, uh, and as I got to know them, uh, they had both come to Christ out of a Roman Catholic background and were training their children to love the Lord and so forth. And I got to know them better. And, and one day she brought me this this tattered, worn little Gospel of John. And she said, you know where I got this Gospel of John? She said, years ago, when I was single, I had joined the army and I was at BWI airport flying down to Raleigh, Durham to go to Fort Bragg to jump school. And I was nervous. I don't know why she was nervous. But... uh, She said, I was nervous, and somebody handed me this Gospel of John on the airplane uh, on the way to Fort Bragg. I read that Gospel of John, and she said, that was the beginning of God's work in my life to lead me to Christ. And I thought, thank you, Lord. You know, you plant seed. You don't know where it's going to grow. A lot of times you don't hear. One plants, another waters. God gives the increase. But you know, there's opportunities. Praise God, there are people that we trained at that time who are still doing that at Baltimore Washington International Airport on Sunday afternoons. We tried to get six other churches, but we couldn't find any other churches that would do it. You know, there's so many opportunities in our world to reach out with the gospel. And so many Christians are so upset that we're losing our freedom. Hey, you know what? Most of our freedoms, we could lose it and we never knew we lost it because we're not using it. Okay, We have such freedom for the gospel in this country. Most of us are not using the freedom we've got. No wonder God is likely to take it away. Praise God. There are ways to reach out. Look around you. you a, a, a little church with you know, not a lot of money can have a profound influence on people around the world just by looking at the opportunities that exist around us. Now, the eunuch had a problem because... As a eunuch, he was not allowed uh, to truly worship inside the temple. And some of you are saying, what's a eunuch? Ask your mother. (laughs) I won't go into that later. Uh, But eunuchs were considered, you know, to not be all there. And therefore, they were somewhat excluded from the worship of God. And they must have felt like some people today... That, that don't know whether they're men or women, that are confused about their gender identity. A eunuch was a person who certainly uh, wasn't considered to be normal. And yet he was reading the Gospel of Isaiah 
turn with me to Isaiah 56, 3. Hey, what a wonderful book Isaiah is. I hope in your reading of the Bible you'll eventually get to Isaiah because after you get through all the begats, you'll, you'll really enjoy it. In Isaiah chapter 56, what gracious words God says to foreigners and even to eunuchs. What an encouragement this must have been to this man who had been to the temple and had not come to know Jesus. Look at Isaiah chapter 56 and verse 3. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant, to them I will give in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name which will not be cut off. Also the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to Him and to love the name of the Lord, to be His servants, everyone who keeps from profaning the Sabbath and holds fast to My covenant, even those I will bring to My holy mountain and make them joyful in My house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable on My altar, for My house will be called a house of prayer for all people. Wow, that must have encouraged the eunuch that God in His grace would welcome him to the very holy place of God in His temple. He had hope, but he still didn't understand. He didn't understand. And so Philip says that great question, do you understand what you're reading? And that's what we would do at Baltimore Washington International Airport. We would hand out the Gospels of John and then we'd look for somebody sitting down and reading the Gospel of John. And we'd go over to them and we would say, do you understand what you're reading? And then we would find out what they understood or what they didn't understand and share the Gospel with them and seek to lead them to Christ. Giving out his word. We have uh, missionary friends of mine who are down in Goja, Argentina. They're going to a town that does not have a Bible-believing church. In Argentina, very, very old-fashioned, strict Roman Catholic kind of town in Argentina. What do you do? How do you get started? Well, they started making friends. And then they offer to read the Bible with people. They offer to read the Bible. And so they open up the Gospel of John and, and they read a chapter and then they talk about it. And then they get together next week and they read the Bible and they talk about it. You see, it's the Word of God that brings salvation. It is the pure seed of the Word that will open people's hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. They need to hear the Word, but it needs to come through a personal life. Look at Romans chapter 10 and verse 14, please. Romans chapter 10 and verse 14. Because you say, well, isn't radio and satellite and all these things, aren't they enough? The internet, isn't that enough? Romans 10, 14 says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? How will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. How many of you have beautiful feet? 
Okay, Thel- Thelma has beautiful feet. You know why Thelma has beautiful feet? Because she tells people about Jesus. And when you tell people about Jesus, you have beautiful feet. The Bible says when you bring good news to those who don't know Christ, your feet are just becoming sanctified in the eyes of God. He looks down and he says, that's beautiful. They're going with the gospel across the street, across the hall, or across the ocean to share the good news with other people. So what do we see? It's very simple. The Holy Spirit, the angel of the Lord, told Philip to go, and he went. What about you? What has the Holy Spirit prompted you to do? To pray about, someone to speak to, to write to, to call, to bake a cake, whatever it is. Whatever he says to you, do it. Do it. Obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And you will be one who is led by the Spirit of God. That scares the secular humanists. They don't know what to think. They are so scared to death of a vice president who says that God tells them to do things. They don't know know what that's all about. Mm -hmm. Mental illness, they say. Yeah, we do march to the beat of a different drum, don't we? We do respond to a Lord. And those who are evident in this world of being the children of our Heavenly Father are those who have learned to respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. We test everything by His Word. We're not nutcases. We're not mentally ill. But when God puts a thought into our minds of something good that measures up to Scripture's rightful activity, we step out in obedience and we do it. And God blesses. And then we see that he witnessed. The the eunuch's heart was prepared. God was drawing him. No one can come except the Father draw him. He was being drawn. He had scriptures in his hand, but he needed somebody to explain it to him. He was reading from one of the most wonderful messianic prophecies of the Old Testament, Isaiah 53. Do you know that Jewish synagogues read through the Old Testament each year and they never include Isaiah 53? It is not included in their regular readings in the synagogues. In fact, there were some Jewish people that were quite sure that that chapter had been inserted by Christians into the Hebrew text until the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered. And that beautiful Isaiah scroll that some of you have seen on your trips to the Holy Land there in the Israel Museum, and it's all stretched out. And I'll tell you what, uh, there's no staples or anything on Isaiah 53. It's just part of that great text of Scripture. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to His own way, and the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. The eunuch says, who's he talking about, himself or somebody else? And Philip takes that scripture and preaches Jesus to him. He gets to Jesus from Isaiah 53. That's easy. But I'll tell you what, you can get to Jesus from any chapter in the Bible if you rightly understand it. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, here's how you preach the Word. You study that text and then you make a beeline for the cross. 
Because everything is about Him. That's what Jesus said to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. He said, it's all about me! Hey, if anybody else said that, we'd think they were an egomaniac, you know? But when Jesus says it's all about me, it's true. Because He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. Philip uses the Scriptures to tell the eunuch about Jesus. Praise God for that. He preached Jesus to him. Paul said, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. Hey, you are not the solution to anybody's problems. Don't weigh yourself down with that. When people tell you their problems, don't let those problems weigh you down. Point them to Jesus. And then in prayer, give those problems to Jesus in prayer. That's the only way. You'll be able to bear the burdens of life your own and other people's is to give them to Jesus. He's the Lord. Paul said, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So Philip went. Philip witnessed. He shared the Gospel. I hope you know how to do that. If you don't, just get something like this. I carry one of these with me. It's just a simple gospel presentation. There's all kinds of these little booklets. Carry one with you in your pocket or purse. And when you have to, uh, an opportunity to share the gospel, say, hey, have you seen this? That's always a good question. Yeah. Well, you know, this is just a little booklet that shows you from the Bible how to know for sure that you're going to go to heaven when you die. Oh. Can I, you have a few minutes where I could share with, this with you? And share the gospel. And you will find that God will use the gospel to save people. And then notice he won the eunuch to faith in Christ. They're riding along in the desert, and all of a sudden the eunuch says, Look! Water! Hey, you ever been in the desert? You come to some water, it's like, whoa! This is great. But it wasn't about drinking the water. I'm sure they had a bottle of water somewhere in that chariot. If he just wanted to be sprinkled or poured, they could have done it and kept rolling, you know. But no, in the Bible, baptism is always of believers by immersion. And so it was. They stopped the chariot. They both went down into the water. Philip baptized the eunuch. Then they came back up out of the water. And they symbolized by that the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and identification with Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection. The complete cleansing of all of the guilt of our sins which takes place when we believe in Christ. No, the eunuch did not come down an aisle. You say, well, how could he get saved if he didn't go down an aisle? He didn't even raise his hand. He believed in Christ and he was baptized. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Some people get all hung up on the little details. And it doesn't matter whether you raised your hand or you didn't, or you went down an aisle or you didn't. The issue is, did you believe in Christ? And did you confess him as your Lord in water baptism? That's Bible, folks. The rest can come or go. And it does. There's all kinds of ways that churches do things. God bless them all. But the essential thing is that we believe in Christ, that He died for us and rose again, and that we witness this by our testimony at our baptism. And so it was that God then caught up Philip. Harpazo, same work as the rapture. He caught him up and took him to minister elsewhere. 
And the eunuch went back to Africa rejoicing. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was now in him. And the Holy Spirit will give you joy that cannot be quenched. And that joy of the Lord will be your strength. Church history tells us that this man did go back to Africa. And God gave him a ministry. And God eventually raised up what we know as the Coptic and the Ethiopian churches, which exist down to the present day, which were founded historically by the Ethiopian eunuch that went back to Africa with Jesus because a deacon obeyed the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Let's bow in prayer. Have you believed in Jesus? Have you trusted in Him? Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins and rose again? Do you believe in Jesus? If you believe in Jesus, you are saved. The Holy Spirit is in you. But have you been obeying the promptings of the Holy Spirit? Have you done those little things that He's put into your mind, into your heart to do, and you just did it? Or have you been resisting? Have you been having your own agenda? Following the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life instead of the promptings of the Holy Spirit? Do you want to be led by the Spirit? Then obey whatever the Lord tells you to do. Just do it. And you will find that you are led by the Spirit of God. Whatever He says to you, do it. That is individual It's going to be tailored to each individual person. And what he tells you is going to be different than somebody else. But when you obey him, you will come into the fullness of your sonship as a child of God. Father, I pray for each one who has heard this message today that we would not resist, but that we would yield to you and that we would do whatever it is that you are leading us by your word and your spirit to do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This baptism is by the authority of Jesus Christ himself. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And Father, as these come to be baptized, we pray that you would bless their lives, their testimony, and their influence on each one who sees and hears their baptisms today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And Holly Salvietti, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes, I have. And do you desire to follow the Lord in obedience and water baptism? Yes, I do. Holly Salvietti, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Holly. We thank you for saving her soul. Thank you for those who loved her and reached out to her, who shared the gospel with her, who invited her to go to that retreat. But we thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for Holly and rising again for her. We pray that you would bless her life in every way. Continue to fill her with your spirit and use her for your glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And Arthur Salvietti, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes, sir. And do you desire to follow the Lord in obedience and water baptism? Yes, sir. Arthur Salvietti, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And Father, we thank you for saving art. Thank you for bringing art and Holly together so that together they can serve you. Thank you for saving his life through that surgery and even recently his heart procedure. Thank you, Lord, that even though his baptism had to be delayed due to that procedure that he followed through. He's obeyed your promptings and leading. And may he obey you in many more things as you lead him by your spirit and as you lead them together. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And Susan Von Cannon, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes, And do you desire to follow the Lord in obedience and water baptism? And Susan Von Cannon, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Father, how I thank you for your work in Susan's life and for her willingness to humble herself and become as a new believer when she has been a believer for her such a, a long time in her life. I thank you, Lord, for how you have used her. And I pray that even today, uh, her humble, sweet obedience to you might be an encouragement to all of us here that people who need to believe in Christ would just do that. Those who need to be baptized would do that. And that all of us would be those who would be truly exhibiting the fact that you are our Father because we are led by the Spirit of God. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know what Philip looked like, but I hope he looks better than me. <laughs> Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, once again, it has been good to be in your house. We thank you for the word that has been preached today. We thank you for our, our pastor, for our Sunday school teachers. who Teach us your word as it is written. They don't add to it, and they don't take it, anything away from it but as it is written, and we thank you for each one of them.
And Father, we also thank you for these individuals that have uh, been obedient to you today through baptism, uh, Holly and Arthur and Susan. We just thank you for their lives and for their confession of faith, and we ask you to be with them and guide and direct them. And Father, we like the message that was taught today, and like Philip, uh, we ask that you move us, that the Holy Spirit moves us uh, to go out and witness to somebody. We may not be able to go around the world, but we can step outside our front door and into our community and witness to people. There are many out there that do not know you as their Lord and Savior. Father, go with us as we leave this place. Guide and direct us. These things we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.